The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Everybody, welcome to another session here of the Kick Pod Podcast, the podcast dojo for inspirational martial arts talk. I am your host, TJ Williams, here to give you the insight of my martial arts journey, discussing and analyzing martial arts-based subjects and highlight individuals involved in martial arts of all styles, past, present, and future. All right, for those who just joined me for the first time this new year of 2023, this is a pre-recorded episode, so whatever I talk about in this episode is either coming up or it's already passed. And just to give you a heads up of what's going on so far in this new year, we're then we're pretty much in the third week of the new year. All right. So of course, a lot of positive things happening, a lot of negative things happen, but um, of course in this new year, we always got to think positive. And of course, uh, uh, right now, um, just thinking about it, um, the Bills are pretty much making an impact as they're going against the Miami, Miami Dolphins. And from what I hear, the game is pretty much over and Buffalo is on advancing forward into the Super Bowl playoffs. Uh, so, And also, just on a sad note, for those who have um, followed the entertainment business, of course, we lost a pioneer in um, the entertainment business. Of course, you know her as the daughter of Elvis Presley. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley has um, passed away due to a heart attack. And um, we all send our prayers to the Presley family, of course, Priscilla. And But just on a good note, she is finally with um, her father, Elvis. And likely she might run into Michael Jackson. Yeah, so that's just like his song says, you are not alone. Yeah, so let's think it positive. All right, so kind of get on with this episode. Um, of course, I got another guest. This is yet episode 115. All right, this is my guest comes from Ken Buck, uh, Maine, because he has 26 years of martial arts experience. He is the co-instructor of uh, T's, um, did I say that right? T's, um, yeah, yes. what? yeah, got it. Uh, Taekwondo, uh, teaching for 13 years. And of course, he holds a third, de- third done in um, Taekwondo. And also, he has a first cue in um, Japanese martial or Japanese Karate Association. And he's on his way to be part of the Japanese uh, Karate Association US team. So, you, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's a so. <laughs> So I like to introduce everybody to Andrew um, Evans. So he agreed to get on the show and uh, tell us his story. So of course, people that want to hear good stories, you might want to kind of listen on this one. So thank you very much for joining me, Andrew. So how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a it's a great opportunity, honestly, to uh, do this. I don't talk about myself too much when it comes to martial arts and stuff like that. And when you reached out to me in November, uh, I was cur- actually at uh, the nationals in new Orleans. And, uh, I thought, you know, I'm on a high point. I'd really like to talk to somebody because throughout my life, martial arts has been a huge impact in my life. And it's, it's carried me to multiple pathways in my life. And I, I figure if I can, if I can talk about my journey, I could hopefully get more people involved uh, in the martial arts. I don't really care which martial art it is, uh, just if they, they get it involved in their life. 
is super important. So thank you for having me. Yeah, so I can super agree with you. I mean, of course, martial arts has brought me to my high points. And pretty much right now, I'm on a verge of becoming a master rank in my style. So hopefully I could get elected or get selected this year to be promoted to fifth degree. So I'm fingers crossed with that. So, I mean, I've pretty much been on a good path so far. Uh, so that's that's what I'm pretty much focused I can totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's kind of get to the first question. Since, since we're highlighting you, uh, well, how would you say, how would you describe yourself before martial arts or basically who were you before? Well, I was six, I was six years old. Uh, I started in 1996. My dad uh, actually got me involved. I would say I was very timid a very timid child. I didn't like loud, uh, aggressive things. Uh, I didn't like to rough house too much. I didn't like to do too much of anything. Uh, I, I would say that. I would say I was a very timid child at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, well, definitely. I definitely started in 1996 as well. I started like late 1996. So basically me, you have that same 26 years experience. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I started when I was like 10 years old. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it kind of takes its toll on my body right now. I mean, mm. currently right now, I'm just re- recovered from a knee injury. So, yeah. and then this, um, this, I'm pretty much um, recovered very well. I mean, I had the surgery like four months ago and pretty much without this four months, due to, uh, also with the um, help of um, being a fitness instructor. I mean, I feel like I'm recovering very well. Yeah. Usually, awesome. Yeah. Usually they say for, uh, but but tell your tendon um rupture it usually takes like six months to a year to recover. So I'm basically two months away from actually being full recovers. Or let's see how I am in two more months. <laughs> yeah, the knee. I saw that. I saw your knee injury. I saw that video. Uh, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> it was it was very scary. Did you did you hyperextend it or how did that how did it actually happen? Well, from looks of the video, it's like either I I feel like I jumped too close to ropes, and either yeah, I my saw that. yeah, either my foot got caught in there, and then it just pulled, or mm-hmm. the fact that I was jump, I think I jumped too much, or either mm-hmm. jumped too hard, and then from there it's just uh, I think it just like ruptured. Yeah, so. I was watching that video. I was like, oh, he's gonna go over the top rope. I was looking for it. I was like, oh, here we go. And then I saw it, and then I had to rewatch it because when I saw your knee, I was like, oh my god, it was very. It, it made my stomach turn a little bit, but I saw it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about it, it's got almost like a nightmare. It's like just getting an yeah. injury and then, of course, not be able to do anything for two months. That's the then, worst. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what was the one thing that kind of got you into martial arts? Well, what was uh, the one interest? Well, like I said, my, my father got me into it. Uh, my older brother uh, was originally in it. And then he started getting into uh, trouble and his grades were going down in school. So I was going back and forth with my my dad to my brother's classes. But I was also like a really big fan of the original Power Rangers, the original Power Rangers. Uh, rest in peace, Tommy and uh, Jason, unfortunately. the uh, he, he was a big inspiration. Uh, the Green Ranger, the Red Ranger, Billy, the Blue Ranger, all of them were were major inspirations for me um, when I was younger. And I wanted, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be basically a power ranger. So, uh, my dad said, well, Mike, Michael, my brother is leaving. So, uh, let's sign you up as soon as you turn six. So May of 1996, uh, like within the next, next week after my birthday, my dad brought me to my first class. 
Yeah, and definitely uh, just kind of bring me to almost like my next question. I mean, what, how can you just how do you describe your um, first lesson? Uh, I actually I have a very, very good uh, memory of the past and I could I can describe my first class. Uh, I was very scared to get on the, the floor. We didn't have mats at the time. All we had was a cement floor with a, a rug on top of it. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. So as soon as as soon as I got on the as soon as I got on the rug, I was I was very timid. So I ran back to my dad, and then this girl, uh, who who was a blue belt, who was a another good inspiration for me at the time, her name was Trina, dragged me six year old me onto the floor and started showing me the first uh, pattern, uh, Chengji. She tried the best she could to actually show me the pattern, and I couldn't, I couldn't get it. So I started to cry. So I ran back to my dad, and I was like, "Can we leave?" And he's like, no, we came all this way, you know, leave it. We got to, we got to stick it through. And uh, class started and uh, my instructor, his name was Sabung Vu, Vu Quang, originally from Vietnam, uh, brought me, uh, put me in the back row and he uh, asked me my name to, to announce it to the whole class. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't really speak. So I was just like, Andrew, underneath my breath. And he's like, no, say it loud, say it proud. So I, I yelled Andrew, and uh, that was that was the first thing. And as soon as we warmed up, we did exercises. The first thing he put me in was like a sparring a sparring set. Like that was the very first thing he did. And he put me with the girl named Trina. And the one thing I remember is slamming my back against the brick wall because she sidekicked me and put me into the wall. And I was only six years old, and I didn't have any fighting gear on. And then uh, Sabung Vu just goes, uh, you need to hey, relax. Don't hit him so hard. And uh, I ended up leaving. And when I went home, my dad asked me, so are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, yeah, I want to be a Power Ranger. That's what I want to do. So that was the first day. Yeah, it's like well, like a lot of us, we can't remember our like our first um cl- our first lesson, our first class. But for me, I mean, I remember my first class. I mean, and yeah, you talk about the carpet floor over the cement. Yeah, yeah. that was that's basically how I was. I used to train, but like yeah. now we have like plant padded floors. But I right. can rem- I can remember starting. I didn't have no gi yet, so no. I was I had like pretty much sweatpants and a shirt, and right. of course I also had I developed a cold. I mean, it wasn't too major, but you know, I was like. I started with a cold and right. uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't trying to get anybody sick, but yeah. Right, right. And also, yeah, Power Rangers was my inspiration. Of course, uh, I was lucky enough to actually meet uh, Jason David Frank. So oh, it was, I, I wish I could have before he left. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much because of him, I went almost like on a pilgrimage to meet like the rest of the Power Rangers. So it was from, it's basically him. Then it was like, uh, it was uh, Austin St. James, uh, St. John's, and then of course the Black Ranger, the other Black Ranger, and it was going for like pretty much the last person that I thought I was going to meet was Kim was Kimberly, but it wasn't. I mean, I ended, up, I ended up meeting the other Pink Ranger as well as the other Yellow Ranger, and that was like the last group of Power Rangers I made. So I got Power Rangers from the original, and then I got from Power Rangers Zeo or Turbo. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So definitely the original Power Rangers I grew up with. So it was just like. That was like the amazing part of my inspiration of getting the martial yeah, arts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So, of course, what was like your mindset? Oh, yeah. You already talked about your mindset. Like when your father asked you, like, do you want to do this? And then you said, yeah, you, yeah. Sure. Do you want to do this. Yeah. Because my dad's main thing was uh, once you start something, you can't you can't stop. So 
he's a big proponent on not quitting something when you start it. So my dad said that uh, once, you know, once you take this journey, the only way that you're going to be able to stop is when you earn your black belt and you decide whether you're going to go farther or if uh, you turn 18. He said that that's it. Those are the only, those are the only two options you have if you want to leave. So I didn't leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people, yeah, they get their first degree and then they actually know you don't see them again because, you know, they don't want to build up. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get into that a little bit because I did take a year off and that was, uh, that was when I really chose my path, I would say, on what, yeah. what I needed to do. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, once I kind of, uh, kind of relate to all that, like, you know, you got black belts, they get their black belt next, you know, they disappear and, you right. know, probably years later, they say they want to get back to it. And then uh, of course they had pretty much have to start over because with our style, we are pretty much evolving or modifying everything. So right. things things are really, really discussed between uh, the board of directors of uh, UFAF. That's our organization, uh, United Fine Arts Federation, mm-hmm. and of course they pretty much um, say change things in katas. And then of course, if former black belts decide to come back, we pretty much have to reteach them everything that swam was changed in the kata. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right. So, of course, you say you have a story of um, like uh, you say you took a break from karate. Then, um, so what what would you say that your story would be? Uh, well, uh, it, there's a there's a black belt question, right? About the black belts on there. I can. I it, it would be better explained if we wait until we get to the black belt question, honestly, uh, uh, because it, it follows up right around that. But I can get into it now if you'd like me to. Well, yeah, that kind of also, well, I'm going to talk about your favorite moment and then, of course, uh, describe your black belt. So let's, yeah, let's, before we get to that, but let's say what's your favorite moment in martial arts right now? Uh, well, actually, it was, um, it wasn't, it wasn't my black belt. It wasn't my test. Uh, to me, it's my training. It's not my, the fabric around my waist. It's the training that I carry with me either in my head or the the memories of training with certain people. But the 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 biggest moment is when my original instructor gave me my nickname, which was tree. And then I got uh, the, my tattoo uh, here of a bonsai tree to represent uh, the nickname that he gave me. And uh, it's a silly story, but he specifically, he gave it to me because he had gotten to a car accident like uh, two weeks before that he hit a tree. And he said uh, he was hitting me. Uh, we were doing conditioning and he was hitting me to the body. And he goes, oh, tree, you're good, tree. You don't move like a tree. So he started calling me tree. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so instead of calling me Andrew, uh, or uh, he used to call us just by our, our belts. So he would go red belt or green belt or something like that because he'd forget the name real quick because there was so many students. But then uh, it just became tree. It, it's, my nickname was tree for a long, long time until he left us in uh, 2008. Yeah. Uh. Man, I, I'll, I'll be lucky enough to get a nickname. I mean, I'd be, I'd be surprised if I do get a nickname sooner or later. I mean, mostly I could say I'd be referred to like as Mr. Williams or just uh, or Sir or somebody. Just uh, I didn't get no nickname, so yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll get one. You'll, I, bet, I bet you'll get one. I yeah, sometime, Yeah. Well, unless I use my wrestling gimmick, that'd be uh, good. What's that? What is, what is your what's your wrestling? Oh, I went yeah. like the first off. I went to as the arcade. I uh, that's my. I like, um, that. Yeah. I like yeah. that though, especially the way you spell it. I like that. It's good. Yeah, it's like I kind of like switched up to the video game warrior, so that pretty much fits fits with my gimmick. 
Yeah, it does. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's kind of describe your first um, black belt test. Well, uh, traditionally with uh, Sabum Vu, it, it's a uh, black belt test is eight hours long. Ooh. So, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> uh, the It's a uh, physical because he was uh, in the special forces in Vietnam. Uh, that's where he learned Taekwondo first. It was during the Vietnam War. His group was called like zombie team, but it was in Vietnamese. I don't, I don't, unfortunately, I don't know that term. Uh, he had a tattoo on his arm of his division. And uh, when he came back, his, his major thing, when he came to America, his major thing when he started teaching Taekwondo was uh, that a black belt needs to be able to defend themselves. It's not just uh, in Asian, in Asian cultures across the seas, a black belt is just the beginning, which it is truly it is. It's just the beginning of your learning. But with uh, Sabum Vu, it was uh, a black belt in his school needed to be able to defend themselves against somebody outside, uh, a, a real attack. So he, he, his thought process was that eight-hour test, if you can survive that, you can put your mind to anything and be able to do anything. Because it's scary thinking about eight hours as a test. Um, the first two to three hours is just straight physical, uh, like working out and, and stuff like that. So it's really physically demanding. This is before you actually get into your techniques and, and setups like that. Um, the, uh, I was with, um, let's see, I was with Kyle who actually just did the, the eight hour test just to earn his red belt. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't get his black belt. He only wanted to participate in the test because he wanted the experience. That was it. So he tested eight hours just for his red belt. There was uh, Megan, uh, my younger brother, Jacob, Churn T, who's the instructor now, and then myself. So we actually all tested at the same time. The year I took off is the reason why I'm not, uh, you know, the same level as churn tea. It was, it was very hard. It was physically demanding, but it, it gave me that, that sense of accomplishment that I needed to push forward within my life. And uh, it's, we still keep to that tradition today. So we do do eight-hour tests to our black belts. Um, it's just not as, you know, we don't hit anybody with a stick or something like that. We don't get, we don't, I don't whack them with stuff like that, but that was it. Yeah. I can pretty much uh, relate to that because our, our black belt test usually uh, is like, like I said, our traditional, our traditional um, martial arts is just like changing. I mean, mostly, yeah, it's based on endurance, you know, yes. how you expect to defend yourself if you got, or you're all full of energy. I mean, you got at least, Check, t- test your endurance because usually what I right. teach my students, like if we're going over like certain exercises, I mean, you want to make sure you do those exercises correctly. And of right. course, when you're training, you're not training your martial arts some techniques, you're also training your endurance. So I usually tell yeah. students that are like in the red belt, um, like red belt level, that's pretty much our highest level. It's like right. start working on your endurance because you're going to need that for the black belt test. It's like, yeah. I can say, honestly, I can truly remember my fourth degree test that was like my last physical test and you know the testing board wasn't going to get me off that easy so they were really trying to torture me and there was times i feel like i was going to toss my grits and, yeah yeah and that, but I, had, I did that i did that in uh my black belt test uh my churn tea uh he i was like i don't man, uh, at the beginning i was like man i'm so tired like not I, before the test even started i was like I didn't sleep well. I didn't eat well. I'm tired. He bought me. <laughs> do you remember? I don't know if you, you're from Canada, right? I'm from the U.S. I'm close oh, to Canada. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. 
uh, the do you remember the soda vault? Oh like, yeah. He bought me two two big ones, right? Yeah. He bought me two big ones and he's like he's like here just in case you want it. He put them in the cooler and uh we go get a drink and I was like, Man, I want something other than water. It's it's like three hours in, just three hours in. And I I, I chug it like an idiot. I chug the vault and uh I just start feeling it the next hour I start feeling it and feeling it. So I raise my hand, I'm like, Sabum, I think I'm gonna throw up. So so I, I shoot, I run into the bathroom. And like 15 minutes, they get a break because they're waiting. He's waiting for me to come back because he doesn't want to do the test without the, without me involved. So they get a break for 15 minutes while I'm in the bathroom dying. So so as soon as I come back, uh, I'm like, you know, my stomach hurts from from heaving and hoeing and all that stuff. And they just they got a nice 15 minute break. I was oh. just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for your um style, you don't have to worry about travel to uh, other places just to test, right? Uh, we not, not for when Sabum Vu was there. Uh, when our most recent test in 2021, we actually had people come to us, um, just because it was easier for them because they were uh all in different areas. Some were in New Hampshire. Some uh, the other one was in a different part of Maine. Uh, another one was from a different part of Maine, but they came to our Dojang and then uh, they tested us there. That was our last one. Uh, yeah, for well, for of course for my uh, organization, of course we broke up in regions. Of course, mm-hmm. um, in our region we have like three schools. I mean, basically my or my school that I go to in Niagara Falls. Then of course there's either a school in West Virginia and then of course Boston. So my last test was in Boston. So me and my my master instructor, we both drove from Niagara Falls to Boston from midnight to seven o'clock in the morning. So did you, tra- did you train that same day too? Like in the se- did you? Oh yeah. I, I like, as soon as we arrived there, we, we started the oh. test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So luckily I got enough sleep in, in the car or before we kind of uh, went driving off to Boston. So, I mean, I kind of felt sorry that my uh, master was uh, driving the whole time. I mean, I could have yeah. like switched it up because uh, right, right. I was well, well, well awake, but, uh, but nevertheless, I know I just, we drove there, did the test, which is probably like roughly like two hours, two and a half hours. Cause it was me and three other people. And mm-hmm. I was testing for like for a fourth degree. They was testing for like for a third. So, and like I said, I was getting the worst of it because it was my final test. So they weren't going to let me off easy. And, no, they, so the stuff that was on my test, I was doing that and then they do add-ons like they had me do a kata that wasn't on a test and plus they had me do um sparring combinations that wasn't on a test and right. then and of course uh well of course uh they was having me like do all these drills and all this stuff they really wanted to work me and but yeah. you know and, but you know i know i wasn't gonna quit this is like my last final test and right. i was gonna well let's look this way i don't have to test physically for my fifth degree i just all I gotta do is do all I gotta do is do a little performance, and then I get my blackjack, and then I'm master rank. <laughs> there you go, there you go. I mean, all that hard work—that's what it's for. You put forth the dedication to the kind of—it shows the experience, it shows the uh, wisdom. It's really good. I think it's—I think it's super important, especially since you put in all that effort to not only drive there, but then that the, the hours of testing, the the little switch ups to trick you. I think that's a really important piece of uh, testing is that that tiny bit of uh, mental manipulation to try and trick your either your student or whatever it is, because it's important to everyday life stuff, too. 
like if somebody's trying to get one over on you, let's say, uh, you should be able to be prepared for it. I think it's important. Yeah. And the thing that sucked about my test, uh, of course, uh, the, the school that I went to used to be an old bank and the sequence was like streaming low and I had to do like a weapons kata. And I oh, was yeah. I was worried about hitting the ceiling, but yeah. I was like they like try to put me in like a spot where the bow won't hit the ceiling. So right, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So of course you mentioned you took a break after you got in your black belt. And uh of course you had uh some life experience. Like what well, can you like basically describe that? So uh after I earned my black belt in uh two thousand I want to say 2007 or, or, or late 2006. I can't remember. Uh, I took like a year off, I think like 2008, because my instructor, Sabum Vu at the time, had decided that he was going to leave to New York, just kind of up and leave us um, to do better things in New York. He was going through some weird things in his life, and he decided that he wanted to, to move away from it. Ultimately, it was a bad decision on his part. Uh, we don't communicate with him anymore, but I still love and respect him um, as as he was, as he was, I would say. Um, but I was like, you know, he's leaving. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. If he's not here, he's my main. My he was my main instructor. I don't want to do this. Uh, so I I left, not knowing not knowing that uh, Churn T was going to take over fully. Yet. I didn't, I didn't understand yet, really. I, I kind of figured he was going to, but I didn't, I didn't really know. So uh, I was already kind of involved with um, a group of, a group, I'll say, uh, kind of selling narcotics and doing things on the side. <clears throat> I, was, uh, I was involved with a lot of negative things, uh, and it, it, it kind of came with that uh, ego of, you know, I, I'm, I can do whatever I can do whatever I want. You know, I, I train my whole life. I'm big, I'm strong. I can do what I want type thing, which at the time I was not big and strong. I was very, a very thin, uh, uh, didn't know much type of kid. And, uh, within my, the first week of taking, uh, taking Taekwondo off, I was done. Um, I, uh, got, I was, I was at the mall in Portland and I, uh, somebody pulled a knife out, a knife out on me. And, uh, my instant reaction was, wasn't very intelligent. I kicked the knife out of his hand and I cut my, uh, my left leg open and I still have the scar. I, I just missed the vein that leads into your, your, into your foot. And, uh, uh, somebody called the cops, uh, within the mall, obviously, cause a kid pulled out a knife and I ran, uh, I kept running. And my foot filled up with blood. My shoe was filled with blood as I was running. And uh, I just was thinking about everything of my training. I was just like, man, I'm not prepared. I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for a weapon in that situation at all. Um, so I started carrying around a knife with me just in case something would happen. And I kind of put my martial arts self to the side. And it was just like, well, whatever happens, happens. I'm making money. I'm doing what I need to do. I'll, I'll do what I want. And this is all in the span of a year, all in the span of the year that, that this is going on. Um, so later on down the road, I'm getting more involved. I'm, I'm uh, meeting people. I'm doing uh, enforcement type things, which is like being with a dealer and making sure it goes down correctly. And uh, I end up 
I end up robbing, robbing. I end up stealing the this person's money uh, that I was with, that I was enforcing with. I'll I'll call him Chris. Okay, Chris uh, was a friend of mine since like middle school, and uh, <clears throat> he he uh, he kind of got me involved in everything. Kind of showed me the easy ways to make money. We started out with marijuana and then we moved on to, because it was illegal at the time here. Marijuana was illegal at the time here. And then uh, he got me into harder stuff like methamphetamine and then pills. And we started selling it around uh, Portland and stuff like that. And uh, he, uh, one of these days he called me on it and he said, did you steal this much money from me? Because I'm, I'm missing this much, this much money. It was like $200. It wasn't, it wasn't something that we couldn't get back. The, the, the reason why I'm saying this is because of what ended up happening um, for this $200 almost killed me. I almost died. Um, because I'm in this group, we don't, there's no police. We don't call police. We don't call 911. We don't do any of that. Anything that happens, we deal with. I never got stitches for my leg. I never got stitches for anything. Um, and I'm, this is, I, I, I'm not even 18 yet. I'm, I'm still a kid. Uh, and, uh, I was selling in the back parking lot of Portland mall, um, by the dumpsters. It was like a clothing shop and that would be my spot to where I would sell was by the dumpsters there. And people, people that knew me knew that I was there and they would come pick up. And, uh, I was talking to somebody. And what I didn't know is that this person was creating a distraction. And uh, all, I, all I feel is a boom, like that, a boom. And uh, out, of, out of shock, I run. I just run because I don't know what happened. I, I think I'm being jumped. So I just run and I run away. And I keep running and I keep running. And I feel something hot going down my leg from my, my leg. I keep running. I keep running. I keep running. I keep running. And uh, finally, I get to, you know how on highways, there's the turnoff that, you, that, you know, you keep going down the highway, then there's the turnoff. You know, the, there's usually like a wooded area or like a grassy area. In, in Maine, it's, it's a wooded area. So I ran into like that where I, where I thought, oh, they're not going to find me here. And then I feel it. I was stabbed. I was stabbed between my legs um, from where my groin is to where my leg is uh, stabbed. Bomb. One time, just one time, but it was, it was directly up. It wasn't deep enough to do major damage, but I was bleeding profusely. Like I, I knew that I was in trouble and, uh, I didn't realize that it was over $200, $200. They did this. And, uh, I was just thinking to myself, now we're in like, it's, this is, it's winter time because, uh, it's, it's almost, it's almost 2008 at this point. So I'm, I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm losing blood. I don't know what to do. So I call somebody within the group and I say, come get me. And they go, oh, I'm with Chris. I'm with Chris right now. And I go, uh, where are you guys? And they go, oh, we, we just left Portland Mall. So that they're telling me, they're telling me that they did this. And uh, so now I don't, I don't know. Who am I going to call? What am I going to do? So I call my uh, one of my old friends from uh, high school, and they come get me. Um, I, I didn't know what to do. I put rag. I, we had rags and stuff. I, I took my shirt off, 
and I like balled it up and put it against, pressed it against the area. And I kind of just sat on it and sat on it. I have a scar like that big from where it cut and where the puncture actually happened. The puncture was probably only like that, that deep, but it's right near a vital area. You know what I mean? The artery that goes down your leg, like the groin, everything, Ooh. it's right there. So um, I was, now I'm thinking to myself, I need to get out. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, I can't, I'm going to die. Either I'm going to go to jail or I'm going to die. One of the two things. And then I get a phone call. I get a phone call like the next day, the next day it's churn tea. And he goes, he goes, I need an assistant. I need an assistant. And, uh, I was wondering if you want to do that. This is a year later. This is after he had taken over. Um, and, uh, he had already run the school for quite a while. He was doing it. He was keep taking over from Vu, Mr. Vu, uh, and, uh, the students, he was kind of, he, he worked, he, he, we always work. We, we don't, you know, we don't make profit off of the school. We, we work separate jobs. So he was working mornings and uh, the midnight shift to pay for the school, but also pay for uh, his life, obviously. And he's like, I need an assistant. I can't, I can't do this alone. Do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, yeah, I think, I think I need to do this because I need to get out. And uh, in 2000, 2008, uh, a week later, still recovering, uh, I, I popped into the school and, uh, I, that was it. That was, that was the moment that changed my life. The, so the experiences that I had within that year of either getting jumped or, uh, getting into fights or altercations over something as simple as like $5 or something like that. Just little things that had to escalate based on the situation or the the activity that we were involved in. Um, most of the time, my training saved me a lot. But what I realized was is that only with distance was I was I, I was able to control my my uh, my opponent. But whenever there was either multiple opponents or a weapon was involved or it was uh, coming from a different angle, I was definitely not ready for that type of situation. So I made it a point starting from uh, 2009 to really focus on that part of my martial art. So the self-defense, the realistic street type thing that you might encounter, uh, not necessarily like, uh, you know, WTF Taekwondo or tricking is known for doing spin kicks like this. And it's cool. It's awesome, but it's not going to save you from an altercation, whether it be multiple people or uh, a weapon involved. So that's why I really started taking it more seriously is because of that scenario and stuff that I had to deal with. Well, I put myself in, to be honest, obviously I put myself in the situation. It was my fault, but, um, you never know when it's not your fault. You never know when the altercation is somebody trying to hurt you or mug you or uh, rock or uh, just having a bad day and they decide, decide they're going to take it out on you. you. You should be prepared to deal with, with that situation. Whether you win or lose, you just need to survive. That's the main thing. And that's, that's the main story of, of how I got to where I am today.
well, I have to give you credit that like not a lot of people would like have the courage to talk about their past, and especially if they um lived in the, like in a bad um pretty much in a bad situation. You know, I grew up in like a like kind of like in a bad area. You know, I was like that one kid that like if I see something cool, then I kind of almost join the crowd. But yet, you know, I was of course raised by a single mother and two older siblings, but mostly when my mother worked. Like she works two jobs, like back when I was a kid. And of course it was like my brother and sister that pretty much raised me. And likely my father wasn't always around. I mean, but no, I get to see him sometimes, but nevertheless, uh, there were like the two people that kind of got me almost out of trouble. And of course, yeah, I just don't want to be in that crowd, but it's, I mean, I'm grateful that you tell that story, but you know how people are like, if they hear a story like that, it's like, once a criminal, always a criminal. But yet, uh, I've been. Uh, thank, thank you for saying that. Um, from the, I would say all the way up until 2013. From 2009 to 2013, uh, that's basically how I was treated. Um, I didn't take. I, I, honestly, I didn't take it too like my martial arts super seriously until I would say 2013. When I got out of the group, um, I started gaining weight in 2010. I'm 155 right now. Uh, I think I got up to like 215 and uh, I was just eating, eating my feelings, eating everything like that. And uh, kind of not pushing myself to lose the weight. I didn't have any focus on doing that. It was kind of just teach what you know uh, and then leave type thing. You know, you're out. So why? Who cares? You know, you're not you're not part of the group anymore. You're just doing what you're doing. Uh, you got a job. You're good. You're fine. Who cares? Right. But uh the more, the more that uh, people I could hear people talking in the in the background, the more I could hear. Um, well, you know, maybe I don't want to leave my son with him. You know what I mean? Or maybe I don't want to leave my my maybe maybe my daughter shouldn't work with Mr. Evans. Maybe maybe just with Mr. T. You know, um, because I had I had my group group related tattoos that I now have covered up, or I have. I had um, scars on my face from past fights or like, a, I mean, I have some, I have a little bit now, stuff like that, but they, they were like fresh. And uh, yeah, I would hear it, it, it hurt because it was from um, people that I knew before I left. You know what I mean? It was from people that, that knew me before I left. And then because I decided to go down this this not so great path now they all of a sudden think that i'm i i am that person that i'm not anymore you know what i mean i was only it was only for a short amount of time but just that little bit changed their opinion completely of now i'm a criminal now i'm a now i'm a gangbanger now i'm a uh a violent person which i'm not i'm not i'm not a violent person i can turn it on and off when you know sparring or something like that but overall I don't get angry easy. So it's, it's, it was, it was, it was, it hurt, but where I'm, where we're at now and where everything is at now, it, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat, heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. Of course with me, when I, uh, when I started teaching, you know, I had to deal with um, kids whose parents were like, like in the drugs or they were have like in uh like in like not having a good um situation with the law. So, you know, I had to, not worry about like the parent situation i can worry about like getting the kid to go on the right path so i yeah, tell them tough. i basically tell them like 
you know, this is how you're going to get better. This is how you're going to be a good person. You know, I always talk about protocol, like definitely with our traditional kata or traditional uh, martial arts, I teach them how to bow and mm-hmm. properly. I teach them how to exercise properly. I mean, I tell them, if you want to get good at something, you got to make sure you train. And I say, Absolutely. reason, reason why, why, why do we train? We train to get better and we, we train to prepare. You know, it's better to pre- prepare for an opportunity when you don't have one other right. than having an opportunity and not being prepared. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, I'm always prepared for my students. You know, before I, I come in an hour before class and I kind of go over with myself what I want to go over with the kids. I mean, especially whatever belt level they're going for. And, you know, at the same time, I'm preparing myself for myself because I'm also a student. You know, right. I may be a, I may be a black belt, but I'm still a student. I'm still learning. And, you know, 100%. even even if I, if I get promoted to fifth degree, I'm still going to be learning because, you know, yeah. at least, of course, with this podcast, you know, I'm going beyond learning like other styles, like not just physically, but mentally. Yes. Yeah, that's the best part is when you're learning, just learning in general. It doesn't matter if it's, excuse me, physically or uh, mentally or what it is. If you're learning something and you're getting experience out of it, that's the best thing. That's the coolest thing is learning something. Yeah, especially with my experience having an injury, you know, I go kind of go into anatomy a little bit. So I tell teach students like, you know, always take care of your, your body. Well, it's especially right. with me being a fitness instructor, I always talk about nutrition. You want to make sure you have the eat the right things before you um, actually um, get in a physical activity, you know, right. like, like last, like yesterday when I was teaching, um, you know, I asked my, um, or my students or, or my, um, my instructors who are, uh, is out for a surgery. And of course he's coming back next week. And I always tell them like, what do you eat for breakfast? And they usually say cereal, you know, yeah. c- cereal is good if you're not doing physical activity, but you, if you're doing physical activities, you want to have like good sugar, but cereal, right, right. Is bad, it's bad sugar. It'll, right, right. You'll drop faster than a fly. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man, we definitely moving wrong with this. Uh, okay. Uh, tell me like, of course you're, you had this, you were becoming an assistant. So of course, like how many students that you have in your, um, uh, in your school right now? Uh, right now, I would say we moved. We moved in 2021 from our old location that since uh, Sabon Vu left us, um, and it was a very small space. Um, we moved to probably one that was about double the size. And uh, since then, now being on Main Street, I would say we have close to 30 to 35 students total right now. I would, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I stopped yawning so much, but I'm, right. I'm good. Right. Yeah, so of course, uh, how many black belts have you produced since um you started um assisting? Uh, let's see. Before before Sabumbu left, he had he had five. Let's see, Mike, Mike, Mike. He had four on the docket to test after he left. Uh, those are those are the those are the the first of churn T's production. Um, I don't count those as mine. Uh, my father is on that list, but I don't count that as mine. Um, the uh, because I was I had just I had just come back, like I said, off that year, so I had just come back. Um, I would say I would say total out four uh, on on the other end. So eight since he took over that I was a part of, but four that I actually had 
uh, helping, I would say. Hey, all right. So other than your, um, your instructor, who else do you look up to? Oh. <laughs> uh, I look, I, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people in my life that, uh, give me, don't only, not only give me strength, but give me, uh, like push and drive. Um, obviously my father, um, Sabung Vu, who is like my second father. Um, I don't consider, although Churn T is my instructor, uh, he's more of like my brother. He's not really uh, my instructor uh, because we, like I said, we grew up, it was together. We did everything together. Uh, we tested together. He took over. He's higher than me. He's a fourth. I'm a third, but he still instructs me, but he's more like my brother. Uh, he pushes me a lot when it comes to, you know, getting the next level, whether, whether it be a rank or actually like pushing to the next step. Um, my students, all of my students really uh, keep me going, push my drive. Um, and uh, my current training partners in JKA as well. Uh, my teammates specifically uh, really help out a lot. When we did, when I did nationals in JKA, I did the, uh, we did team kata. And we are in second against everybody in nationals. For There was no, like, our division. It was black belt, uh, team kata. And uh, we uh, are in second against the top team for America, which was pretty cool. And we lost by only a few points. So I was very, very satisfied. Those two, Ben and Michael, uh, they give me a lot of drive as well. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, you got to have, like, all that group of people that can really get, keep you going. You just can't have deal with one person. You just got to have like a line of people. Like, of course, for me, of course, uh, of course, I have my father, my normal jit father. You know, he's kind of going on a good path. And of course, I have my second father, my 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 master instructor. You know, I call him my karate pops. And, yeah. and of course, right now he's um recovered from surgery. So right, so he should be returning soon. So that's a good, that's a plus. And yeah. of course, I have my original first instructor. Of course, I've known him, like, of course, when I started, and he still does it. And he's pretty much the reason why I get, got my um, new job, because he worked at the same company. So mm. I was like, feels like he got my back. And that's like, I'm grateful for that. It's like, I'm getting a better job right now. And yeah. I'll be able to at least pay for, at least pay for my surgery, get that out of the way. Right, right. I mean, as you, you're lucky enough to have like a good insurance that like pays like majority of the surgery, and then you have to deal with the other side. But yeah. Right. Of course, yeah. So I can see that that's the, always the inspiration you need. Like, as many people to keep you motivated and say keep you on a good path. Okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, oh yeah, and you also mentioned about competition. You know, I have been competing a long time. You know, I used to compete like in um like our local tournaments, and uh, of course, uh, there was like Smack Internationals and mm-hmm. Kumite Classics. Yeah, those was like the two that I like compete in, and you know. Of course, I got trophies in that, but yeah, I you know I do my best. You know, right. it's always fun seeing like other people compete, and you know, you try to figure out what kata they're doing to see if it's similar to 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 your kata or right. your style. Yeah, right. like I right. yeah, I've seen so many um, guys do like the like kata that I'm familiar with, and I, and I had to go over and talk to them. It's like right. it's like I'm familiar with that kata. It's like what's the name of that kata? It's like that looks amazing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we we have one coming up in March. Uh, it's called the Battle of Maine. It's the largest one in obviously it's the largest one in Maine, but it's also like the third biggest in New England. So uh, we're hoping that we have a good turnout for that. I'm unsure if I want to compete in it. I'm not overly uh, 
pushing too much on open tournaments anymore where it's mostly, you know, the different styles and stuff like that. Um, but if I do, uh, it would be the first time I did an open tournament since 2009, I think. Yeah. And I know there was like the super grands like years ago. I mean, that, I know that's a big tournament that people yeah. go to. Yeah. And I know of course it was always um, hosted at my hometown, like around my, my hometown area, mostly in Buffalo. So, yeah, I mean, I used to go to those and like see all these people compete. And I know you have to qualify to actually uh, compete in the Super Grands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's like a big tournament. I wish they, they still had that. But, you know, I kind of I guess that kind of discontinued. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to put on a tournament. It really is. I was I was hoping that uh, we could do one actually uh, sometime soon. But it's really rough getting everything together and doing a tournament. It's really hard to get people in. Yeah. All right, so before we kind of get to our um our uh, hidden dojo segment, uh, here's the last question: uh, What inspirational quote best describes your journey? Uh, well, I have there's one quote that uh, I picked up in 2019 or 18 uh, with my uh, Sensei Ferdy, my instructor in JKA. Um, he he says, "The enemy of excellence is good enough." So the enemy of excellence is good enough. The just just doing your minimum to get by and going like, ah, it's good enough. uh, That stops you from being your best and stops you from doing your best. So I really I really stuck with that with training. And uh, when I started JK, when I heard him first say that, I was like, yeah, that, that speaks a lot to me because, you know, a lot of the times I would say that I'd be like, I would do a pattern or I would do a kata and I'd be like, yeah, that's good enough. I can move on. But if I, if you don't focus on that and critique it, it's going to go down. It's not, you're not going to get better than you're going to either plateau or you're going to decrease. You're never going to excel. So that really stuck with me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I can agree with that. You know, how many times I, I usually tell my students, like, you need to train on this kata to get better. And then, you know, they just do it once. And then all of a sudden, you know, they didn't forget to, how to do the kata. So oh, that, all the time. Yeah. Mm. yeah, you know, I kind of find that a little, almost not a little irritating, but it's like, it's kind of like uh, disappointing that, you know, you, you tell them to train and like, you know, you have always had that one um, student that always trains and um, right. they do good in the class, but yet you got the other students that don't see that. And, you know, they say like, uh, you know, I'm here. I arrived. I mean, I hope I get my next belt, but you know, you know, you're not going to get your next belt if you don't actually improve or actually know your material. Right. I mean, the effort, effort over everything else, honestly, it's, if, if you don't, if, if you just kind of skate by with everything, um, they, they, you're right. They never see the person training really hard. They just see them perform it, and they're like, "Oh, that's really cool." Uh, but I do, I do as much as he does. Why, why, like in class, I, I do the same stuff he does. How come he's better than I am? They don't understand that the the person who's doing that really well goes home and also trains, or comes in early and trains, or stays after and trains. They don't, they don't understand that. They just kind of think, "Well, we do the same thing. How come?" How come I'm not like that? And I had that same mindset for a long time, honestly. Yeah, it's almost like a sort of an envy that really put will push them. It's like, if I don't have a challenge, then I'm not going to get any better. Right. Exactly. That's how I am. 
Yeah. Usually well, for me, I say, you know, don't always go by what you know. Go beyond what you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our um, Hidden Dojo segment of the interview. This is where we get the fun parts uh, of uh, Andrew Evans. Uh, of course, I'm going to ask him seven questions. He's going to answer them to the best of his ability. All right. So you ready for this? I am. All right. The first question is the best piece of advice that you ever gotten and who said it? Oh, maybe I'm not ready for it. Uh, let's see. The best piece of advice that I ever got was probably, um, man, I don't know. That's rough. Um, I, you know, I thought about it too. I thought about the best piece of advice I got because the problem is, is that every advice that I got in the past, I ignored like an idiot. So it's like, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go with the most recent one that my instructor, uh, my Sensei Ferdi gave me, which is uh, maybe don't post your sparring videos online if you're if you're hoping to compete because <laughs> mm-hmm. then they'll see your stuff. So like I when I when I was younger I didn't you know I didn't uh, do that well in competition. So now that I am doing well, then I, I kind of want to show it off, right? But I can't uh, or I shouldn't. I should say I shouldn't do that because then other people are going to see how I fight. So. It makes sense. So that's probably the newest and the best piece of advice that I've gotten lately. Oh yeah, that's the advice I heard because that's yeah. like the worst thing you do. You want to post, you post your stuff on um, YouTube or Facebook. You know, you're always gonna have that one person that sees sees you fight, and the next you know, when you're at competition, they're gonna know how to beat you. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah so that's why I usually, if I'm gonna film stuff, I kind of keep it to myself. Or, right. And then, of course, but not like nowadays, I don't care who, if anybody's better than me, you know, I'm just competing just for the, like, for the experience, you know, right. just like most people would just compete just to get their, like, um, nerves off. Like, uh, they're, if you got somebody that's nervous to get in front of people, you know, mm-hmm. they would film themselves and then uh, performing. And then next, you know, they, you know, they get these com- comments from people saying that you did good, you know, that right. gives them that boost. You know, for right. me, I wasn't the person that liked to perform in front of people, you know, but like nowadays, here I am, like I could perform in front of like uh, judges without getting nervous. And right. yet here I am a pro wrestler and I'm, right, I right. Could, yeah, I'm performing in front of everybody and right. I'm like more focused on competing in my wrestling match other than worrying about the fans. So, right. yeah. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. Plus, you're doing podcasts now too. People have seen that. So you're yeah. really putting it out there. That's really cool. Yeah, so definitely, it's almost like uh, back and forth, you know, help you uh, get you out there and then yet kind of learn more about the martial arts world. Yes. Yeah. All right, next question. Of course, uh, a lot of people don't get this one. Uh, the worst piece of advice you have gotten? <laughs> well, uh, the worst piece of advice that I ever got, I do know this one. It is from my original instructor, uh, Simone Vu. It was... Because it came with the experience later on. If you train Taekwondo, you'll be prepared for anything. That is the worst thing he ever said. Worst thing. And his broke and his unfortunate uh, way of saying it was was just like that. If you train Taekwondo, you'll be prepared for anything. And unfortunately, that's a a thing that I see a lot a lot of uh, former not former students but like uh, older generation like us. Uh, they, you know what I mean? Like the people who started way back, 
it was almost like a cult variation of like, here, do this, do this. You'll, you'll do this. You'll be prepared for this. You know, you'll be the, you'll be strong and tough and all this stuff. Uh, that per- was perpetuated a lot when, uh, from like eighties and nineties culture of martial arts, I think. Oh, definitely. That'd be a worse, worse advice or less. It, it would be better if it was rephrased, like, like use any martial arts technique that works, then it will, it will save your life. So, yeah. Right. I mean, he could, he could have made it like, as I said, that his men, the mental aspect of what he was saying uh, with, with our test is the whole point is like, be prepared, be prepared. So maybe the way that he meant it, because, you know, he's, he's, English isn't his first language. Maybe the way that he meant it was uh, train Taekwondo and you'll be mentally prepared for anything. Maybe. Yeah. That- um, but the way that I took it was, was that, you know, you train Taekwondo, you'll be prepared for anything that happens to you. You'll be fine. So that was, maybe it's on me, but that was the worst advice that I took. It. Yeah. So yeah, the way you said it, like uh, if you uh, train Taekwondo, it'll mentally get you ready for everything. So that's probably the best way to rephrase it. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. How would you reward yourself? I kind of call this the guilty pleasure. Like food? Well, food, food like anything. food, vacation. I go for your guilty pleasure. Ah. Uh, well, let's say I don't know. I'd, I'd go with that. Um, sometime when I was, uh, let's say, if, a couple of years ago to recently, I would take off time from the, the school just to go four wheeling or go fishing or something like that. You know, just a just a day where you know maybe it's been too much, and I I kind of you know I've been training all week, and uh, I have to go and uh, do a workout class. It's not really martial art related. I'm just gonna go do a workout class. Churn's got it covered, so maybe I'll just go. You know, do my own thing today. I think that would be, it's, it's more of like a turn off, you know, I want to turn my brain off and kind of just do something that lets me go. Yeah. Yeah. That probably like something I would like to do, like get away from martial arts and like get a workout or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What famous movie would you would want to be in? You know, I, I looked at this question and I was like, there's no current movies that I would want to be a part of, but if they ever made a good street fighter movie, I would love to be a part of that in some way. I don't know. I could get a little bit bulkier and do Zangief. But <laughs> but uh, uh, if they made like a good Street Fighter movie, I'd, I'd love to do that. Even if I was just like somebody who got beat up by Ryu or something like that, <laughs> I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Uh, let me get my cosplay on. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. It was yeah. good. Yeah, you got the, the pose and everything. It was good. Yeah. That's, they don't call me the video game warrior for nothing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that was fun. All right. What would you say your secret talent would be? Oh, let me rephrase that. Hidden talent. Hidden talent. Oh. Man, I don't know. You know, when I was younger, it used to be just me being able to wiggle my ears, you know, or, <laughs> or you know, dislocating my thumb in and out for the double jointed, but I don't really have any super secret talents. Everything that I did was I had to like work hard to be able to do, you know what I mean? So like anything physical fitness wise or anything uh, martial art related or anything like that, there was nothing that I was just naturally able to do. Unfortunately, everything I had to like break it down to make sure I was able to do it. So 
I don't really have a hidden talent. Not really, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I could say my hidden talent is like super healing, like I'm like Wolverine. You know, right. I, I mean, I, I heal like pretty much naturally. I mean, other than like waiting till like three months, I heal. I mean, I'm definitely good to walk for like a month. And then, of course, right. I'm back to everything else. <laughs> I wish I, I mean, I wouldn't mind having that. That'd be yeah. good. <laughs> All right. Dream celebrity encounter. Uh, I would love to meet Steven Seagal so I could slap him. <laughs> I would love to meet Steven Seagal just to just to listen to him and have the story, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I have like so many people I want to meet. Like, of course, um, of course I'm big on Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ruining the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That blood sport uh kickboxer. Yeah. 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 yeah those are good movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out of his definitely the uh I like I like kickboxer and blood sport quite a bit. Those are good movies. Yeah. Yeah, I actually met Donald Gibbs from that movie. Did you? Yeah, got Donald Gibbs that um, played on um, Ray Jackson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, I gave him that famous one. Okay, USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now now I gotta go watch the movie after I'm finished with this. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh last question. All right, future plans. Where do you see yourself in ten years? Ten years. Uh let's see, be forty two. Uh what I would like is to either branch off and have my own school um, or be completely affiliated with the U.S. team in some way to either be a coach or to still be a part of it in some way. So ultimately, I would like to have my own school, um, but I would like it to be a branch of the T-Stike window that we currently have. I, I wouldn't want to go. I would change the name, but I wouldn't want to be completely separate from my roots, I would say. And I wouldn't want to do that. So hopefully a new school or uh, still be a part of the U.S. team in some way. So hopefully, I, I think you're, if they, you can still go for the Olympics if you wanted to, right? Oh, I, I got a long way. I, I, would, I would have a long way for that, long way to go. <laughs> yeah, but the thought is always good. Yeah. The push it gives me drive. It's good. Yeah. All right. So before we kind of uh, close out, is there any last minute words you'd like to say to the listeners out there? Yes. Uh, if you're listening and you're unsure about martial arts, you should do it. If you're having thoughts about doing it, or if uh, you uh, are unsure, or you're scared. It doesn't matter what you want to do. It can be aikido. It could be jujitsu. It could be karate, taekwondo, tangsudo. It could be whatever you want it to be but you should go do it because everybody I know who says, you know, I should have done it when I was younger. Um, well, it doesn't matter. You're not getting any younger. You should go do it. Um, and if you, if you're young and capable and you want to compete, you should go compete. So grab a martial art, find out what's best for you and go do it. Hey, uh, definitely. That's a uh, good words to give the uh, listeners out there. It's never too late to join no. martial arts. Never. Yeah. All right. So thank you very much for joining me in this episode. All right. So I'm going to do my little closing before we kind of kick out. All right, everybody, for those who just joined me, please uh, tune into my previous episodes on the BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. I'll see you next time for another episode here at the Kick Pod Podcast. This is your host, TJ Williams, bowing you. Out.